0: Hi, I'm Stathis, your host. Before we jump in this episode, let me introduce DevRelX. DevRelX is a hub for developer marketing and DevRel professionals. Stay home while DevRelX brings you rich content to boost your DevRel game. Access developer population insights, news, job openings, and more. Discover how to empower developers and grow communities at devrelx.com. Today's episode will start with a quote from our guest.
1: biggest thing that we deal with in developer relations is people trying to define it over and over again, um, and trying to say, like, developer relations needs to fit in this nice box, like everything else, so that we can understand it, so we can move forward. And I think it's something that, for developer relations, it doesn't look like that for every company, right? Just as the same as engineering looks different at a couple of different companies. We have the core basic of, like, I write code, and I do it in this. Um, I'm given an editor, I'm given a problem to solve I do the thing, I
0: deploy it, and it's done. Hi, I'm Stathis, your host. Welcome to a new episode of Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, our Slash Data Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome a woman who leads the developer relations team at LaunchDarkly, Jessica West. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Will you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As I mentioned, um, mentioned, I'm Jessica West. Uh, I run developer relations over at LaunchDarkly. Really excited. I've been uh, doing developer relations for many years now uh, and coming from a background in marketing and engineering and uh, really focusing a lot on the community and and how we can help help each other get better. And uh, yeah, excited to be here on the show.
0: You mentioned uh, engineering and marketing. I think you're the first ever guest to have a background, you know, in both. <laughs> you have guys coming from engineering and transitioning to developer relations, or uh, from marketing, and then yeah. So, yeah, this is a first, and I'm very happy for it. So, how okay. did you end up in um, developer relations, and uh, yeah. your current role? Sure. Um, it was it was a path, a
1: journey, um, as as many of us have had uh, with technology. But I started out in marketing uh, when I first got out of uh, when I was in college, and then after, uh, and really enjoyed it. But I always kind of started digging more and more into the technical part of it. So starting with SEO and looking at you know what makes websites tick, uh, and then diving into working into CMSS and customizing things there, and Doing lots of work in PHP. And then I realized that I had an affinity that I was really enjoying engineering. So I started making a pivot and doing uh, more work in databases and uh learning Ruby on Rails, went through a boot camp, enjoyed that, and then came into an engineering role. And all throughout that, I was I was working with people and trying to find, you know, finding a mentor, because anytime you're switching careers, it's hard to, it's hard to do that just on your own. So you're always looking for. What's a person that has a path like me so I can know that that's a successful path? And so I, I noticed when I was making this change, there wasn't a lot of people that, you know, were like me or that I, I couldn't find a mentor really easily. So it was really important to me as I was making this transition to work in the community and help, help other people find help mentors and help being that mentor for someone else. And so that's what kind of kickstarted my work in the community and just getting to know people within the technology space. And then I went into engineering more and more, and I was leading uh, a team at a couple startups. And I, at around that point, I was working with the state of Colorado and helping them run a couple of hackathons, you know, a statewide hackathon for many years. And then I started my own conference uh, with partner, Steve Kenny. And that was Dinosaur JS, or it is Dinosaur JS, rather. And that's in Colorado. So doing a lot of community work between conferences, uh, mentoring and starting groups uh, and doing engineering full time. I just realized there's just a lot of work I've already been doing developer relations. So I made the full pitch um, and dive into taking a role as a developer relations advocate and then quickly started leading teams into, you know, bringing in the the management uh, experience that I had from engineering and from marketing and bringing that into developer relations. So uh, it's really kind of a a nice blend of everything because so I can help come in and, and speak to both sides of those bits. And now uh, I've been at LaunchDarkly. It started there earlier this year and I'm uh, really excited.
0: Yeah, great. That's been a great journey. And um, I'm sure your community work in the earlier days as a, being the mentor you couldn't find really helped you in the role in developer relations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It really helped kind of give, start creating that empathy, you know, and, you know, sympathy and empathy moving from one thing to another. So. I hope that I can t- continue from the lot of work I do, like helping be a mentor in the community um, to people.
0: Was there a driving force or a, a role model that led you to, you know, be more interested in technology or it was, it all started with SEO and then everyone, <laughs> everything, you know, went from there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a combination of things. Um, and so, you know, it started with like the, the interest of, you know, of SEO and understanding what makes things tick. I've always been, really excited about, you know, like, it's funny that this is under the hood of marketing. That's how I describe my interest of like peeking under the hood, like what, how does this work? You know, what, what's going on? And um, that's, that's what really drove me into learning more about development and how, how the website works. Right. And then, and then even deeper, you know, now that I know how it ranks well, how, how does it rank well? And what can I do better about, you know, making sure that my website has clean code and what does that mean? And, and ultimately like, understanding how things work and then trying to solve problems. Because I think a lot of us, one of the, the really great things about learning how to code and, you know, being in engineering is that you have an idea and then you can then take that idea and then bring it into paper and bring it to life. Right. So you can see it from the idea stage into, you know, the beta stage of like, here's, here's a prototype of what I'm thinking about, you know, and then you can talk with people about it. And sometimes that doesn't always, you know, that doesn't always translate well when you're trying to get that to somebody else. So I think those are one of the reasons I was really excited about doing engineering as
0: well. Yeah, it looks like it's, uh, it's been a great journey, or <laughs> more of a destiny, I guess, the way you, you described it, which is, which is great. Was there a habit that you picked up in your childhood and you still carry to work life today?
1: Oh, yeah, probably a few. One thing I think is interesting. So I'm the oldest of four, and my parents, unfortunately, were separated at a young age. So it was lots of, you know, managing and like bringing things and trying to figure out. Okay, here's here's the situation. How do we make it work? You know, whether that be through, you know, like chore charts or you know getting allowance so that I could go, uh, get you know my favorite ice cream down at the store or you know or whatever whatever it may be. It was lots of you know problem solving and trying trying to manage through chaos. Um, and I think and I talk about a lot. I was like, I think working like being the eldest or like in a family. Of that nature, you kind of learn how to thrive and work in chaos, a little you know, a little bit of control chaos. And I think that's a lot of things that you see in startups, right? Everything's going at a really fast pace. Not everybody's able to communicate as quickly as much as they'd like to. And really like any any space, and especially right now where we're in pandemia, you know, there's just a certain level of chaos that we're all experiencing and how do we continue moving forward and driving through that. And I think from childhood being kind of naturally in in that space and having to move forward has been something that I've carried with me today.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a great skill to have, you know, at, at all points. You know, yeah. Especially if you, you know, work on it since childhood, it's, I think it's one yeah, of it's the all... top soft skills, you know, ever. You yeah, know, it's you becomes second it. nature. Yeah. yeah, it's perfect for you. It looks like um, all the pieces of the puzzle come together, you know, and everything in right place. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's time for our insight-driven section called Let's Talk Data. Yeah. So please pick a graph from devrelx.com slash trends and um, tell us why, what and why it stands out to you.
1: Yeah, so actually I really liked a lot of the, the graphs. I was looking through and I found myself just digging into each one. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. And say a hard time you know, keying into it. But then I walked away and I stepped back and looked at, it. I was like, what is something that's really interesting? You know, like, what is something that like, I, I speak to, and then I want to know it. And one of the things I looked at was the open source graphs. And it's actually between, you know, everyone uses open source to also the types of people that are contributing. And so it was under like, you know, like the three out of five developers contribute to open source software and why they contribute. And they you know that of like, people using open source. And so I gave a talk about this actually a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago or so um, at a, an event and talking about, you know, the fact of like how, when we say like everyone uses open source and then only the, the concept and the thought around open source software in general. Like I think a lot of us use open source software more than we think or what we've technically defined as open source software. Say technically like Slack is open source, right? Uh, how many of us use Slack for, for work that we do? Um, you know, and every day in our jobs. Like, we're, we're using open source software everywhere. So I was looking at the the point of, like, open source sample code, open source infrastructure libraries, and, and all these different things, and then thinking around who who is contributing to these. So that one, and then we look at, like, the three out of five developers contribute to open source software. And I think it's unfortunate that we only have three out of five. And then from there, you know, Why is that? Like, what is what is the cause for only three out of five? And I think that we see that. There's, I'm sure, there's many other people that are that have dove into this even deeper than I have, that talk around the the environment that our open source, you know, software contributions technically have, right? And so, from that, we see, you know, for if you want to contribute to open source, you know, there's a certain level. Like, I need to feel like I'm I'm good enough to contribute, right? And I think from that, when we don't see as many minorities coming in and contributing to to open source software uh, because maybe they don't feel like it's a as welcoming environment as we'd like, you know, or, or like maybe like their code is not the same quality. And, and it's, it's something that's at deep in your core. Like it's a little intimidating to say like, here's something that I wrote pick it apart. Right. And so we, we heal, like we do that in our engineering teams and through pull requests and, and things like that. And that's something we can, we're okay with, right? Like it's, it's a little uncomfortable, but we're okay with it because we assume like, they, they know us as people, they trust us, they have our best interests at heart, you know, we're, we're moving forward. And then open source is another level of that because you have to then have your code not picked apart just from people you know and people that you trust in your team, but from anybody, you know, I mean, like there's all these people on the internet that are looking at that and that's something that's really intimidating. So so it's just interesting looking at that one and then the reasons, the last one says like 29% of developers contribute to open source software to improve coding skills. And I thought that was interesting because to me, I thought that would have been a little bit lower, actually, because looking at it like I believe in open source, you know, to solve an issue, I would have thought those would be the higher, higher percentages rather than improving coding skills. Because in my experience and from people I've talked with, that's typically the opposite because of the environment it's put in there. So I know that was a lot, but those are some of the things that I started looking at, too, from the trends.
0: By the way, on open source, uh, I want to say it also for our listeners, what, what you just discussed and this was a, a very good analysis of that, uh, we also dive deeper if you're interested in open source. We did a webinar a couple of days ago. It's on uh, weknowdevelopers.co oh, okay. uh, and it's free for everyone to, to see. But yeah, we've seen that uh, a lot of people contribute actually to open source to, to develop their skills and many people because they're fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, as you said, it, it's if you get past this point where you are afraid of you know, people tearing apart what you just created, it's also what leads to progress because you can take one idea for one point and then using the open source community can, uh, you know, drive and create something great.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I think, and it really it's, there's a lot of factors that come into it, you know, for like where you are in your career and what, and, and how the, the comfort level and, and maybe even kind of, if you take a a deeper psychological level, like how comfortable are you with people that you're talking with? Right. So if you are comfortable having that one and you really want to see the improvement, I think open source is a great way to improve that because you are expanding the amount of like people that you have access to in that knowledge base. Right. Not everybody on your team is going to have that same level of expertise on one subject that you would experience with working with an open source uh, contributor um, elsewhere. So, uh, so yeah, I think when it comes down to it, I, I would love us to continue to be better as a, as a community and our open source community to make it more uh, welcoming and approachable so that we can get more people in and, and contributing to open source and we can bring that, that large percentage of idle contribute to open source software down uh, and looking at how do, we, how do we have open source software as part of our everyday life for not just using it but contributing to it.
0: That's true. Inclusion and diversity are, I, I think, are what leads to progress anyway. So, yeah, we should get, try and get as many people as we can contributing <laughs> to open source. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, before we continue, I just uh, wanted to say that these data that um, we, we've been discussing and uh, all the data you can find that DevRelX last trends are data that come from our developer economic survey, which is from... 30,000 developers annually in more than 165 countries. It comes in uh, two waves and its latest wave is actually now live. So for our listeners, I want to say that anyone who is a developer, whether you're just developing as a hobby, uh, you're a student or a professional, you can take the survey at developereconomics.com and you could win cool prizes that I have to envy at some points, I have to say. And (laughs) uh, your results uh, will lead to stimulating conversation like the one we're having to and the one you're listening to but also will help um, as is our motto here you will help the world understand developers and developers understand the world jessica That's, what do you love most about developer relations
1: i think the thing i love most which is what you know brought me into into the space is getting developers to you know that that aha moment you know, that that sweet spot and that and and that's from you know helping them solve a problem. I think that's that sense of like uh, of accomplishment and that I was able to help someone you know move forward is huge. And, and I'm backtracking that too. I think that goes into you know having like that that empathy for developers, right? And so I was saying like, "Hey, I know where you are. Like, I know what it's like to to have production go down, right? And and being paged at two in the morning and and trying to." figure things out, you know, or trying to build search from scratch or, you know, deciding like what's the base, like best way to like, where should I set an index on within my database to make sure it's the most like optimum, you know, level of like functioning. So all the, you know, all the different things that come into our lives as developers and how, how we're still able to solve these problems because it, it's hard, right? So if you think like our product manager, you I know mean, our product manager comes is like, hey, I need this feature built. And they drop it here, and it's then you can look through. If you have a great project manager, they've you know if they've gone through a couple of things of like, here's the process. I think this is how it should function. Here's the steps. Here's some tech te- 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 technology. I just need you to build it. Not everybody is that lucky. Um, there's some that are just like, hey, I need a thing. Can you go figure it out? And so it's lots of investigation and trial and error, and and it's hard, right? So when you when you have people in, in a role like developer relations and you can talk about like, here are some of the solutions you have out there. And it may not be, you know, the one that your company represents, but here you've talked to someone this morning, you know, that's helping be a subject matter expert on that one thing. It's a resource. And that for developers, it should be a resource of like, Hey, I have a question about, you know, feature flags, for example, like what's the best way I should set this up and developer relations and a developer advocate should be like, Oh, sure. Like, let's talk about your problem first. Like, why do you think you need feature flags? Oh yeah. Okay. That sounds great. Let's keep going. And, and going into that, uh, getting someone to be like, oh, that's great. Thank you so much. I didn't think about that. Or maybe they were using your product already and they didn't quite understand what feature was doing what, and you were able to help clarify that and getting that, whoa, that's awesome. I didn't know that is huge. And that's such a huge it's such a great moment and it's such a thing to kind of the like gravel in and I love it so much. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy and I love about what developer relations is and about.
0: Yeah, and I think it should be. You know, it's a, it's a noble cause after all when you help or uh, even when you just empower someone to, to achieve something, especially their goals. And um, as you said, in uh, such a pressing environment at times. Yeah. How can you not love this?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. What has been then your biggest challenge? What has been the, the most difficult part about developer relations?
1: I think the biggest challenge is the, the misunderstanding of developer relations, whether that's from the community or internally. I kind of preach about this a lot, I guess, uh, around, you know, how, how you can get best get understanding. For them. Because I think the biggest thing that we deal with in developer relations is people trying to define it over and over again um, and trying to say, like, Developer relations needs to fit in this nice box, like everything else, so that we can understand it, so we can move forward. And I think it's something that for development relations, it doesn't look like that for every company, right? Just as the same as engineering looks different at a couple of different companies. We have the core basic of, like, I write code and I do it in this. Um, I'm given an editor. I'm given a problem to solve. I do the thing. I deploy it, and it's done. But there's different ways of of doing that, right? So. For developer relations, because it is this hybrid of coding, uh, writing content, uh, being in the community, it's hard. It's a lot of context switching. So you have to find you know, a certain individual that, that fits that bill. You have to find the team that allows you to context switch and do that so it doesn't veer all the way into marketing or all the way into engineering or some kind of hybrid of, of in-between where you're not quite sure what's going on. And the bigger part thing too, is like you need to be able to communicate your value and understanding to your management and your ex- executives, right? And that's, that's the, that's the big thing, right? Because without understanding from your executive team, your leadership, uh, even if it has the best intentions of coming in and saying, yes, we want to develop relations. If they don't quite understand why they want it or why they need it, or what's the benefit to the company, ultimately that's going to lead to, you know, to the, the team being let go and, and being eliminated because there's no understanding and it is a cost center. so we look at the value developations is and, and what it can be, and it's so, so beneficial to work with the community, but it doesn't tie directly to, to the funnel. It doesn't tie directly to the product. It has three ties, right? So we're measuring not just community uh, interactions and we're measuring, you know, like what are we doing to help bring things to the top of the funnel and bringing awareness to marketing? And what are we doing to help provide value to things that engineering is producing. So. All that comes into there if it's not properly communicated or either, you know internally and externally it leads to a big misunderstanding and then you're having the problems we have we've seen a lot of problems a lot of uh, companies today amongst everything else i think that's like the number one challenge that that i've seen coming into this industry and then i continue to talk with people about
0: yeah i totally agree there and uh, i like how you, you started you know from not being able to, to define it properly or trying to define it in a way that, uh, as you said in a quote, we, so we can understand it and uh, trying to communicate how beneficial it can be for an organization to the executive level has been, uh, I think, the one that came up most of the times as the biggest challenge. You know, many people believe that without an executive sponsor, if you'd like within mm-hmm. the company, you cannot make it and you cannot have a department that works and is successful. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, the executive sponsor is huge, um, and I, th- I talk about it like you need a a sponsor uh, that's someone that's like yes, like I will be there, and you also need someone to understand it um, and that's willing to them. And so you need like a, you need like a little cheerleader and a sponsor, <laughs> um, and and what that looks like, you know, because you need someone to be advocating for you at that at that table. If you're not at that table or your leader's not at that table, you need someone else to say like yes, this is the value of developed relations and. Here we go and rah rah like we're going into battle, <laughs> um, and if you don't have that, then yeah. then that's it's not it's not going good.
0: Yeah, I think executive sponsors come have come up a lot of times. Cheerleader is the first time, so yeah, <laughs> yeah but makes makes the point exactly. I think.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, former cheerleader here, so it's <laughs> <laughs> it, it plays it plays.
0: So except for uh, cheerleading skills, what do you think are the skills that someone should possess so that they're good, a good developer relations professional?
1: Yeah, I think that as, let's start as an individual contributor, you know, as an advocate. So coming in as a developer relations advocate, I think that thing that makes you, that has the most authentic voice is when you can have uh, empathy for the developers. And I think that's different. When people, we talk about like empathy, 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 and we hear it a lot. And I think there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, empathy for developers and empathy in general is like when you say, like, I've, I've witnessed, I lived through that. So I can tell you, like, I understand exactly what you're feeling. And that's a lot different than sympathy of saying like, Oh, that sounds hard. That sounds tough. And let me lend you like my ear and let me talk to you about it. And I think that's the key difference here for developer relations like is having that empathy, right? You need to, in order to authentically connect with other developers and to be successful at your job, you need to know what they've gone through, right? And what, like, what you should be going through. So being able to walk the walk, talk the talk sort of thing. So coming in and having a background in software development, um, having a background in, and, like, and, and being able to write and communicate effectively. That's the biggest thing is because we go back to communication. It's not just communication to you know, executives or anything else. But that's communicating to, to other engineers of like, oh, what is, like, let's talk about your problem. You know, tell me about that. And then how do I communicate the solution in the best way? Or how do we, how do we go back and forth? And so that communication is key. Uh, and that shows through writing um, and speaking. Uh, and that speaking, then you can use that for what we see a lot of developer advocates doing um, is, you know, getting on stage and giving talks and talking through what their company's value and, and like, and why, why you'd want to use it. So really, coming back to having having a background and being able to like live through the experience as a software developer, uh, assuming that's what you're doing for developer relations, as there's the title of developer in there relating to developers, and and then and being able to communicate that idea. As far as you know, managing goes. I think having that and having the experience of understanding it, uh, but really with any any management role, just being able to. To understand, to like, listen, understand, like, what's going on with your with your team. Being able to communicate that and being able to help manage not not just like your team, but also help being that strong advocate uh, for them at the leadership level, right? So, how are you communicating your team's value, right? How are you measuring that, and how are you saying, here's what the team did, and and here's why it's important, and here's here's why it matters, because as an individual advocate. Ideally, you shouldn't have to think about that. You should just say, here's what I'm working on. And you should understand, like, how that understanding of that like, this is the value I'm bringing to the company. But as far as communicating that all the way through and compiling and bringing that and having that, you know, whether it's a cheer or a battle, wherever you're going, that should be your manager's job. And so as the manager, as a leader of the team, they should be doing that on your behalf and working really hard to make sure all those efforts are being shown. So, and creating some of the amazing advocates we see out there, like, there's... You know, there's a manager that's helping make make sure that they shine uh,
0: the best they can. So
1: it's really making sure, you know, you can put your team
0: first. A lot of things. I think that's a basic skill set. Basic, not to minimize its importance, but in basic that I think you should have these things if you understand what they're all. And I like how you put uh, communication, you know, among the the top ones because I think it was it was very thankful during our first episode who said that to developers I represent the company and to the company represent developers. So so you need to to have clear communications to, to both directions so that mm-hmm. you can service both. And actually, th- this is the whole part, I think, of developer relations being the link between these two and helping yeah. both pr- produce the best they can. Absolutely, yeah. Now, speaking about communication, the recent events, it's the pandemic, we, everyone's talking about it, have affected the way we communicate and we, we do everything, including our work. So, how do you think the pandemic has affected developer relations?
1: I think it has affected developer relations as an industry. It looks different at every company, right? As we see for a lot of DevRel items, I think for some of the teams that you know may have been in that still kind of that communication uh, window of talking with you know the executives and leadership of what is the value there and trying to figure that out, that we're seeing some more layoffs there because that value isn't being clearly communicated, or or the company sees the value, but doesn't want to invest in it. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we're seeing there, fortunately. And I think the unfortunate thing is for those companies that are laying those departments off is that having, you know, develop relations in your department is, is really important right now. And so that doesn't see that value is going to be, you know, here for, it's going to hit a rude awakening, whether they see it in a few months uh, or a year, but without that kind of key of, of talking with developers uh, and bringing that value and saying, like, here's why this company's important, um, and here's why this is a good product for you to invest in, there's going to there's be some challenges. So as far as well, what what's changed from like as far from a day-to-day role, there are, you know, no more in-person events right now. And so whether that's a meetup uh, that you were running within your development relations department, either for your company or as an individual, uh, whether you're a road warrior, you know, and, and going on and being at – every conference that you possibly could and on the road 80 to 90% of the time or even, you know, any percentage of the time, those are were, those were big effects, right? So we're going to see a big swing the other way. There's a lot of other departments that have a developer relations department that focuses exclusively on content and code. So nothing's really changed for them, right? They're still doing the same work they have always been doing. Uh, so it really that's, that goes back to like what we were talking about that a developer relations team can look different at different companies, right? And what's the, the biggest purpose? Uh, at LaunchDark, we had, you know, at a hybrid, right? So we had some people that were traveling and some people that were just, you know, were doing coding and content. And we had some people doing a little bit of both. So for us, we have just, you know, prioritized and shifted a lot of our online content, uh, which I think is really, uh, really exciting, actually. There's a lot of really great stuff that you can do when you are able to, be still and think through different challenges that, that you have or that, that the community's had and, and have a moment to really dive deep into some great ideas when we're not distracted by, you know, having to pack for that next trip or get on the plane or there's a certain amount of chaos that you always have that you're managing traveling. And without that, with that chaos removed, granted we have another chaos in there of a pandemic, uh, it allows us to be a little bit quieter and think through some things. So yeah, the answer is, how is it? It's, it's affected development relations a little bit different at every, every company. But in general, I think actually Mary, Tess and I were on a uh, webinar. We, and we were talking about through like, what, what does the developer relations look like at your company and like, and how, how you can help be an asset there. And there's just so, so many things you can do for developer relations that are beyond events and beyond travel. You just pick a path and you, and you can go. So I it's really interesting seeing seeing how that's you know panning out, and for how we'll see developer relations teams function in the next uh, few months.
0: You discussed about you know how developer relations is different in um, in each company. Where do you think developer relations should be you know uh, be under or be reporting to? Should it be marketing, sales, engineering, or should it be you know a different
1: you know, that topic and that question is like right along with like what backpack should I get for development relations? <laughs> um, it's a, it's a hot topic. So earlier on I was strongly, I always thought like that development relations should be in a product or platform because I think it's the, the very like neutral place because you're, you're not going all the way into engineering. You're not going all the way into marketing. Uh, and I still stand by that. I think it, the big, the first answer is like, it depends again on like the company values, like where is your executive sponsor lie? You know, if the person that thinks that the biggest value you can bring to the company is in marketing, then I would be in the marketing because I want to be with that, you know, that sponsorship and that, you know, my, my cheerleader, I want to be aligned with them and see whatever I can do to help bring, bring that value. But ultimately, if, if we were able to like if you were to choose who your, who your sponsor was and who you'd want to help, like Lead that in the most, let's say, impactful manner that possible. I uh, go back to, I think, product or platform because I think that it really helps you see at the core, like developer relations, really developers. We're thinking about the product and we're taking how does that product relate to developers and how do I think through that. And so if I think of that way, and product ideally should have this really beautiful feedback loop, right? Of hey, hey, community, we just had this new release. What do you think? And the community is like, oh, that's great. Let me look at it. And then they look at it and say, this was great, this was not so great. Here's what I could think could go better. So having that feedback loop and loop open from product to go out to talk to the developers, and having that feedback loop coming from developers back into product works really nicely when you have developer relations there, because you have an authentic connection and, and a portal, so to speak, that people can come in and say, like, hey, DevRel have I noticed that you have this new product release. You know, like there's some I just used your product and I have some feedback. Uh, and product departments aren't always prepared to have that from without developer relations, right? So that's why I think that's a really nice way of having DevRel there. Uh, and also it allows you to understand like what's coming up, what's coming down the pipeline for engineering. So I can start working on a demo or some content to help show the value of it. And what are some things that we see could be an opportunity. So engineering and product work really closely together, obviously. And so you can work there and see you know, what's, what's coming down the pipeline. And then simultaneously, product needs to then communicate to marketing and say, hey, we've got this new thing that we're releasing. We need a campaign around it. And then marketing is like, okay, we got this. And you can then help amplify that message with marketing. And again, from the authentic point and saying like, hey, I understand from the developer community, here's, here's where we can best like hit that message right? And like, oh, no, you should absolutely not say that. And you can help, you know, veto and, and, and help guide your marketing team to be that authentic voice. Uh, but you can do that with being in product. When we're in engineering, when you see developer relations teams and engineering alone, oftentimes you'll see it goes almost sometimes too deep. It's like doing, you know, documentation and like writing SDKs and doing all this coding work, which we can do. But then because we're Working so hard in that, sometimes we forget. Like we lose touch with the community part, right? Because you're focused, you you kind of have the the uh, blinders effect of you're just working in your own code and you forget about what's going on in the community. And on the flip side, going into the marketing side, if you're only in marketing, you can get you know kind of doing a lot of like maybe social media and running the Twitter account um, or Facebook or LinkedIn or, or you know whatever whatever social media you're doing. And talking out with us and doing the megaphone and forgetting about at the core, what the product's representing and what, what engineers are at your company, what are they doing and how are they feeling for the product and represent it and what could it be better. So living back up, yeah, product and platform, I think are a nice place for you to be, to kind of have your hands in both those and see, see come from like eagle's eye view of what's going on and help amplify that message no matter what.
0: It's amazing how you know you just answering the question which I don't believe has a you know a correct answer because it's um, dip- as we said it depends on the company and plus it's such a hybrid role because you just said it on how many different points you know developer relations touches and you're in marketing and then you're in uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> platforms and then you're with the community and
1: yeah, yeah. not to mention pre sales <laughs>
0: or post sales exactly exactly yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, I wanted to mostly, you know, to pick your brain on, on that. And thank you for sharing all those because it helps put the, the role in a better perspective and all the touch points that it has within, within a company. So yeah, this absolutely. is why it links to what we said before, how it, it's challenged to actually define the role.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Assuming now that, you know, we're back to normal. <laughs> uh, in the way we, we knew it. Uh, how do you see developer relations evolving in the future?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So, I think for developer relations evolving, there's, uh, there's a lot of great things we can look at. And so, one of them I would love to see is for us to take advantage of better mediums and platforms. Uh, and what I mean by that is, for example, we've seen uh, Twitch become a pretty big platform, right, in the past. Um, two years, I want to say, uh, you know, it was traditionally made for just, you know, gamers, right? There's a, a lot of gamers in there um, using it, but now we're seeing it as another way of talking through and walking through a project. So Sue Hinton is one of the people, the early people I saw doing coding on Twitch. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's a different way. I hadn't even thought of that, you know, if, because I've always, you know, like I've written a tutorial and I might do like a quick video of me trying to walk through something. But Twitch opens it up to another channel, which also helps us right now in the pandemic. Right, is that I can reach other developers through you know kind of the comforts of my own home, right? And I can I can do that with not going to an event that maybe someone can't fit to, um, and it's it's coming on later. But it opens up a line of communication for uh, you know Q and A Q&A and looking at what like what's going on in my screen, what's going on in their screen, and I think that is just a really really great thing. So seeing developer relations evolve. I think taking advantage of all the different tools we have at our disposal and using that as a way to connect to people because ultimately we're not going to be able to talk with everybody at once, right? That's not going to be affected through our, just our website or just going to an event or, or putting things on third parties areas. But if we can take that same core message and put it in different places, uh, that also helps different learning styles, which we can be better at, right? So people have that way of like learning of like listening and hearing someone speak, uh, and visually like seeing seeing code on a screen, like through a repo or through a written tutorial, or you know watching someone live coding. Like maybe that's the best way because then they can code alongside those different like targeting and talking with those different types of like learning profiles. I think it's one thing we can be much better about as an industry and and talk about openly and say like here are the different things we're using and here's the different why we're using that. Uh, and I think that's the next evolution I'd like to see for developer relations.
0: It's also great how, you know, one, I, w- I want to say drawback, but it's much bigger <laughs> than that, but you get the point, you know, opens up access to new channels that you, maybe you, we didn't even think about before that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because yeah, I mean, if you had asked me three years ago about Twitch, I'm like, Twitch what? <laughs> <laughs> I like, are you, what, what are you talking about? Um, and I think that there's just there's so many opportunities and, and probably things that I'm not even aware of, but that's just, that's stepping out of our, our, you know, our industry and like what we use as our regular tools and looking at what other people use and, and connect and how they connect. And maybe that's something that's even better than what we're using right now.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to see what the future holds for us. But uh, I think yeah, more or less this is the, the direction of like, I'd also like to see, see it getting at. Yeah, uh, Speaking of drawbacks, you, and you said it before that part of developer relations is uh, getting on stage. Conferences are a big part of developer relations, and for some are th- their favorite part, and for others is a cause for burnouts. But the part they're playing is integral to developer relations because this is uh, the chance you we get to actually meet developers uh, face-to-face. So uh, at a time when in-person meetings for large groups are just a big no, do you think that virtual events are cutting it? Will there be enough?
1: Yeah, I, so I wrote, I, I did a Twitter poll about this a little bit and uh, started digging into, you know, seeing from the data like what, what we're looking at just a week or so ago. And I think I think the answer is, uh, yes. And, <laughs> um, and I think that virtual events and like virtual, you know, gatherings, we'll put them, um, I want to take events and conferences out of them. It's just talking like it's a gathering of people, you know, we're, we're creating this community. I think that we can have that same impact and and talk to people and getting that message out, but do a different way and trying to take the same format we have for in-person conferences and trying to shoehorn it into. Uh, Zoom or, I don't know, I mean, I, there's just a huge list of um, all the different styles that we have for the video. I don't think that's working. And I don't think that's working to the same level we want. I think it worked at the very beginning of this pandemic, because we were all just craving like, hey, I just need to see someone besides my partner or my pet or the wall. If I'm living by myself, you know, I need to have that kind of exposure. But it's hard because that's really that can be really draining, of like being, you know, standing and like looking at your screen and not moving for X amount of hours is much different. And trying to find that connection there, it's much different than what we see for going to an event. And and if we look at the core part of, de- of going to an event, yes, for developers, it's connecting with developers, but we go there to to make that authentic connection. And so replicating that online can be done in a different way. But through through all of the events right now, there's only been a few that I I think that are are able to really replicate that. So I guess right now, like where we, if we currently, if we repeat, if and repeat the same way we've been doing virtual conferences the past few weeks or past few months, uh, I don't think it's going to cut it. I think that we need to change how we're approaching and talking to people, and then we we will be able to. And same time, there's nothing that's going to replace that in-person connection. You know, that just, that's just like we're humans and that's, that's okay. Like, I think we can recognize it and say, we are not going to have that same connection and that's okay for now until we all know that we can do that in a safer manner. But finding that alternate way to connect and then and we'll, we'll be able to get, get through it in that way.
0: Yeah. It's hard to replace you know actual human connection because you're uh, for once through a virtual event you're missing the whole uh, body language thing, which uh, yeah. usually says more than we actually do. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What do you think a virtual event should focus on to make up for this lack of physical one-on-one connection?
1: Yeah, I think creating more opportunities to have to create kind of like quick hallway track conversations um, that we saw that was like more of a, a natural way of like how do I how do I connect with someone that's interested in the same kind of content I'm in or the same, you know, like same after event activity, like someone is really into karaoke. I want to go talk with them, you know, or Maybe we're trying to find, uh, we're in a region that's got really good uh, tapas. So we're going to go find that, like where's the best tapas place and, and things like that. And all these things are driving that connection or kind of opening up the opportunity for people to talk with other people that have a similar idea and interest. So if we can help replicate that for different events and creating, you know, this, whether that be through quick, you know, games of conversations of like, here's this question, like, raise your hand if you're interested in this. And now you go into this group, you know, or, or randomly taking people into a group and then having them talk through a couple themes. I think it's a great idea. There's, and I know there's a lot of things that we're going to see that I haven't even thought of. And I'm working with a lot of people in the community, just talking through this, because I think there's some things that we can do that we haven't thought of, because we're still trying to think of like, how do I replicate, how do I do online karaoke? Which sounds like a lot. <laughs> and there's a lot of like bandwidth and things there. So Ultimately, like we're not always going to be able to do that. So, how do we replicate that same experience? I think the closest thing that I had to that that I was impressed with was um, this software's icebreaker.video, I believe. I used it. And I wasn't quite sure what I was to expect, but I came onto the site and it pops up, and there's like a there's a song playing, and there's like a group chat going, and all of a sudden I was just re-energized really from my day, and I was like, what's what's happening here? What did I what did I walk into? And it was this really cool software that allows you to talk with people and then uh, you had a big group and then you were paired off individually and you had a couple card questions that you went through. And then that allowed you to get to know someone one-on-one and had a video and let's say went on for eight minutes and then you came back to the group and they did that in a couple iterations. And I thought that was a really, really cool way of thinking about creating that connection and allowing people to, to work through how do how do I talk with someone else that I've never met uh, without being really awkward. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things and I think we'll we'll find out more as we continue you know discovering this.
0: Yeah, I'm sure these are all great ideas, you know, already and I think the more we you know as all events are now rescheduled to be uh, online events or at least most of them I'm sure we're going to see a lot of new stuff coming up to trying at least to to recreate this experience.
1: Yeah, that's way like from all this Chaos and stress. Like we'll have some like some really cool creative ideas that are that are born from it.
0: So uh, another thing I want to ask you is, do you have any tips on how you can uh, reach and talk to developers when you can't meet them?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, going back to me, like reaching developers, you know, where where they are. Not a lot of developers are at those events, right? I think that's a that's something that we we assume, but. Not all developers have a budget from their company that allows them to go to those events. The time off maybe not they might be trying to get into software development, but they can't, you know, justify taking, you know, two, two days off to go somewhere to attend that event, right? You know, they could be, you know, waiting tables in you know, the evenings for extra money to go to school um, so that they could learn software development, or maybe they're doing a boot camp or I mean there's, there's so many things, right? And how do we reach those? Those people, we do it through a lot of things that we've been doing that we should be doing in developer relations anyway. And that's writing content that can reach developers of talking like where they are. So not just on your site, but going onto different forums and saying like, where, where are people getting stuck? How can I help them? Going onto platforms like uh, dev, you know, dev.to and, and publishing. saying like, hey, here's an idea I had and being a part of the discussions there. They've got forums there. There's, there's forums you know, everywhere. And so you can
0: spend a lot of time
1: uh, just responding and, and reaching developers in different places on online that you weren't able to reach even before at events. And that can be through written content, that can be through demos, through content of, you know, live coding, like Twitch that we talked about earlier. Yeah, it's just, you know, and like doubling down your documentation and working with engineers there. Uh, and how do you make it more more accessible? And how do you make it more interactive? There's just, I think there's just a plethora of opportunities there.
0: Those are great. Yeah. Thank you for that. As you said, there's a lot of things we can do. It's all about now finding the right ones for us.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Jessica, it's uh, it's been great having you on the podcast. Um, This has been a great talk. Uh, If some of our listeners want more from you, how can they reach you?
1: Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me. This was a really enjoyable conversation, so uh, I really appreciated it. If you want to find me, probably the best place is Twitter. You can find me at Jessica E West. And there, or you can go to my website, jessica.dev. And that's got my LinkedIn and email and a few other things. So if Twitter's not really your jam, you can find me there.
0: Thank you for that. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. You can listen to all episodes, find free resources, and the latest news at devilx.com and you can also subscribe to our bite-sized bi-weekly digest or follow us on twitter at slash data hq jessica thank you very much thank you